The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York here on the Voice America Network. Our topic today is inside the mind of the broker. So what makes us successful? What gives us the most stress? What makes us the most happy? How do we maneuver through this, this profession, this, this um, real estate profession, as we like to call ourselves professional agents? And we are. So we're going to get into that in a bit. Today I'm joined here in the studio by Niall Lundgren, who is one of my um, panelists, who's co-hosting with me today. Good morning. Good morning, Vince. And also in the studio with us today, um, first, before we get inside, into the inside the mind of a broker, is uh, Andrew Azoulay from Town Residential. Andrew is a very successful real estate agent. He's focused, determined, and results-driven, and this is what keeps him on top of his game. We are going to talk to him about all of this and why he stays so successful in a very competitive marketplace here in New York. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good. Good morning, Vince. Welcome to the show. So... You know, usually when I have um, successful brokers here in the studio with me or, or on the phone lines, I like to start with asking them, so what's the progression? Where did you come from? What did you do before you became a broker? And why did you choose this profession? So I spent about uh, 17, 18 years in the uh, clothing business. Uh, and really, I chose this business because I just saw that uh, the profession that I was in just, just had no future anymore. It was a dying industry uh, for for. For salespeople and for people in the you know in that business, and uh, I've always played that you know real estate game, been on the, the internet trying to buy, flip, do whatever you can, and I was just uh, always that was that was always like second nature to what I wanted to do. And so, um, is there something in particular about this profession that intrigued you? I mean, you know, the clothing business is very successful, and it was you know big hot uh, to do for years and years. But what is it about the real estate industry? I mean, I. Similar, similar story, you know, a successful um, uh, uh, business career, and then I decided that I wanted to get into real estate because I really enjoyed the, the um, aspects of buying a home, selling a home, help, helping people get to a point in their personal life where they were finding happiness with um, a purchase because when, when people buy stuff, per, you know, personal money, it's always usually a drama. But what, what about the profession that you really wanted to, to get into and, and, and make happen? You know, it's funny. You, I don't think there's a New Yorker you meet who's lived here his whole life that doesn't walk by a building one day and say, oh, you know, my dad could have bought that building for $100,000 and it sold and traded three weeks ago for $20 million. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a unique part of, uh, of our industry that this is probably the only thing outside of, you know, being – in a hedge fund or being, uh, you know, that kind of financial <laughs> advisor that you see this kind of growth and you see this kind of potential. So whether it's an investment or it's somebody moving into a home or it's, you know, it's growing that family from a two bedroom to a three bedroom to a four bedroom, 
uh, or making that family, you know, making the market in a certain area and getting that family, uh, you know, what they need to grow and to move. It's just exciting. It's and, and it's every day. You know, the clothing business, you know, it takes six months to see something from start to finish. I can see something from start to finish, you know, in an afternoon. Yeah, you you typically play play though in the the what we call the luxury marketplace, and we've done we've done many shows here, yeah. uh, talking about the luxury marketplace. So, how is that market today? I mean, we've gone through a little bit of a slowdown this summer. I think across the board, just one of those summers. I think where we came off of a very strong, bad, cold winter, and I think everybody just wanted to play this summer and not focus on serious things like real estate. Now I'm seeing it starting to pick up again. But in your opinion, though. Playing in that market, uh, you know, that luxury market, where, where is that market right now in your yeah, client base? I think that market is probably the best it's ever been. Uh, we're, we're focusing on, a, you know, a ton of new development that's coming out in, in New York City that's more about lifestyle instead of an apartment. I mean, if you look at uh, 10 Madison West, 150 Charles, 551 West 21st Street, Scott Resnick's new project that he, you know, hit it out of the box in his first project ever. Uh, that market is probably, I think, the best it's, it's ever been. Uh, we're seeing more trades in that ten plus million dollar you know number, more trades in that twenty plus million dollar number than we've ever seen. Uh, as far as the slowdown, I mean, I'm about to launch 180 million dollars worth of exclusives, so we haven't slowed down at all. July and August, we've actually you know pumped it up. You just brought a big smile to my face. It's kind of like, <laughs> okay, so we here in this in this room are all brokers, and so my first question is. Mazel tov. Congratulations. $180 million worth of exclusives. Where does this come from? It comes from a lot of different places. I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> Always does, doesn't it? Yeah. And unfortunately, I still can't talk about most of them. Uh, but, within the next week, but within the next week or two, if you, uh, if you check out, we'll, we'll probably launch everything by second week in September. Like you said, uh, you know, the summer's been a lot about playing and, and getting ready, but I feel like everybody's coming back from vacation, coming back from the beach, and they're focused again on moving, relocating, finding that next spot, finding that next development, uh, investing. Uh, so I think uh, I think we're going to see a very busy September <clears throat> and October. What is the ratio in your particular business um, for, you know, people buying to live in ownership versus investor? Because as we know, especially in the higher end, very luxury Uber luxury marketplace. There's a lot of investors from foreign lands. We've talked about China. We've talked about Russia. We've talked about a lot of different places. In your business, what is the, the split between investor and owner? You know, everybody's talking about everybody coming from, you know, all these different countries. And I'm seeing just a lot of movement within our own country. You know, you're seeing, you know, walk down the streets of Tribeca. You know, you're seeing families getting bigger. You're seeing apartments getting bigger. You're seeing combinations. So I think we have a lot of people within our own backyard that are just moving, growing and, uh, you know, people that have moved out of the city for the past two and a half years and like, oh, my God, what did I do? You know, if I don't get back mm. in now, can I ever get back in? You know, so we're seeing we're seeing a lot of local, a lot of local business, a lot of local uh, people coming back, growing and, and flipping. Not to harp on the amount of exclusives that are coming out <laughs> with you, but how do you keep up in this fast pace, you know, <clears throat> listing all these properties, being able to show all these properties? Do you work with a team? Do you work with a partner? Or is it just basically yourself? No, I have I, I have put together a team, but certain things, uh, certain things you just can't do yourself. So instead of trying to do it yourself, and it's not really, it's not really building a team. I think you have to pick the right partners within your organization that you can partner up with. Yeah, uh, we just did a development on on Leonard Street, uh, which was fifteen Leonard. I partnered up with Brett Miles, who's probably one of the most. Uh, you know, dynamic brokers we have in our company. We could have done it ourselves, but we said, you know what? Let's team up. Let's do it quicker. Let's do it the right way. And you know, and it, and it ended up working out. We sold out in you know in ten days. 
Mm. You know, four units. We're about to launch hopefully the penthouse very soon. Uh, But I think it's not about, you know, for me, it's long term greed. It's not about today. Long term greed. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not about having to kill it this afternoon. I'd rather do something right, pick the right person and, and split it with them. We're about to launch a major project uh, that I've, you know, again, partnered up with somebody in my office that I felt was the right uh, mix, a great broker named Ginger Brokaw. We're going to partner up on that piece uh, together. And, uh, you know, you have to you, – you can't do everything at one time and you can't keep these exclusive and send people out that aren't experienced and aren't going to do the right – it's not about putting a team together of a whole bunch of people just so you have a face showing up. At, mm. uh, at this listing. I mean, you have, you have somebody's like prized possession in their hand. And oftentimes, probably more times than not, and everybody in this room and certainly the panel on the, on the phone lines can attest to this. You know, when a client hires you, they hire you because they hire you. And yes, yeah, sometimes yeah. you work with partners. Sometimes you work with a team. I'm not necessarily all in favor of big teams, but I think clients most of the time hire you and expect you to be there. So yeah. even if you have a laundry list of exclusives, rentals or sales or whatever they may be, townhouses, developments, um, I've had people say to me in the past, you know, I've looked at your webpage and you have an awful lot going on. Can you service my, my listing properly? You know, so, you know, that's something that we have to deal with also. What, what, go ahead. I have another huge problem. Uh, I ha- can't say no to somebody that wants to see an apartment. So if you want to see an $8 million <laughs> apartment and you call and want to see it at 3 o'clock on Tuesday, you're going to see it at 3 o'clock on Tuesday, yeah. no matter what I have to do. I mean, I find it so frustrating when you have a $10, 15000000 million buyer and you call someone, well... I can show between one and three on third. Okay. These guys want to see now. Right. You know you know what you're dealing with. You know what kind of individual you're dealing with. They want immediate gratification and immediate satisfaction. I've shown apartments at one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's going above and beyond right there. Well, I also I got think. caught by the developer, which was a little strange because he lived upstairs, but it worked out okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Angie, what are, you, what are you doing here right now? He's trying, trying to throw a party? Right. <laughs> exactly. I've been in that situation before. What's the profile of your client base, though? I mean, because, you know, we can all, we can all you know, especially as we start in this business, you know, kind of meander around the world and try and figure out who we want to work with. And a lot of times it's, you know, who we know uh, and social networks. But who, what is the, the, the profile and the makeup of your client base? So uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, a great organization, the Brooklyn Nets, have embraced uh, me and allowed me to help relocate a lot of their athletes, which has been great. Uh, I worked with... Uh, Jason Kidd, Darren Williams, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Billy King, uh, you know, yesterday, Lionel Hans, the new coach. Uh, so that's been a huge piece of my business, the, uh, the athletes. And, and really with them, it's, it's the same thing. It's just 24-7. I never turn off the phone. Anything they need, anything they want, you know, from things that are part of my scope to things that are not part of my scope, we do it. So that's been a huge piece of it. Uh, you live in Tribeca. You, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know high net worth individuals in there that we've that we're more on the on the, on the peer side with that are your friends going through this transition. So it makes it a little bit easier. So I've been you know fortunate enough to work with you know a lot of those individuals and on the development side. I've uh, you know to be in this business 24 months and already have done two developments is is pretty. It's pretty huge, and that's, uh, and that's something that I'm definitely focused in. Well, we talked about that just before the show began and, and the fact that you're in um, this business 24 months. I find that absolutely amazing, Andrew. i got to tell you something. I also you know, manage my company and all the sales agents, and I hire you know, people coming in. You, the, the success, I believe, that you have found in that period of time is just probably you know, remarkable. worthy of Thank writing you. a book. I, mean, I haven't closed my mouth yet. <laughs> 24 months. That's fantastic. Wow. Congratulations. Thank but, you but, very much. But more to the point, though, you know, again, the topic of this whole um, talk today is 
know, all of the stressful aspects of of this business, all of the kookiness, you know, that we go through and the drama and that trauma, you know, to get deals done and, you know, to be able to sit here, you know, and, and be so successful after two years, I take my hat off to you. What, what do you see in your travels around this, this business um, is the fastest moving neighborhood uh, today? I mean, you know, every, every time I turn around, it, it seems to be someplace else. But what do you think is the fastest moving neighborhood right now? I mean, anything below 14th Street and, and the whole High Line area is just going to become uh, you know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't walk past 29th and 11th. No. I mean, now you're thinking about paying $15 million to live on the seventh floor. I mean, that's pretty insane. Yeah. So I think that whole High Line West Chelsea piece is just amazing. As far as, uh, you know, from a from a price per square foot and, and, and trade standpoint, I think Tribeca and the West Village are just still, you know, crushing it constantly, uh, setting new records every single day. From a totally another angle, I think Harlem is just going to be an, an incredible place down the road. Uh, we're seeing some – we just did two deals uh, recently, record-breaking prices. Uh, and I think you're going to see that that area continue to emerge. you got great restaurants coming up there and uh, and it's just going to be a great place to live. Interesting you say Harlem because they, it had, it's kind of had its ups and downs and its resurgences and, and flat periods. But I agree with you. I think there's another bump up you know, about to happen. I think you answered this question before, but you know, do you want to be a mega broker with fame and a team, or a single agent who offers more personal service? I think I know the answer to that based on what you said before. I'm and just why. a guy that wants to offer personal service. I just want everybody to know that it's me out there, and you're the person. I'm the person you're getting. I'm not looking to be on television. I'm looking to close deals. Do you have a preference with um, working with either sellers or buyers, or does you know both kind of you know? Work They're both great. As long as it's a deal, you're all about it. I like it. All right, listen, we're going to come right back after this break. And on the other side, we're going to talk about inside the mind of the broker. Don't go away. But first, you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back, and I want to bring in the rest of our panel. I'm sitting here with Andrew Ajolet from uh, Town Residential, now Lundgren, who is co-hosting with me today, Ivy Ray from Blue Realty Group is in the studio. We have Deborah Hoffman, Perul Brumbat, and Rachel Altshuler. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, morning, everyone. Good morning. All right. So we want to get on to the the topic of the day. Life as a full-time real estate agent can be definitely stressful. So 
In order to maximize your success, you need to learn how to master your mental and emotional mood swings. Interesting, mental and emotional mood swings throughout your career, as long as you stay in this business. One day you're on top of the world with a great number of transactions that all look great. Then maybe one week later, a good number of these transactions have fallen apart and you feel like a heavyweight boxer has just kicked you in the mouth. Let me tell you something. These things have happened to me and my partner many times in the last couple of years. It's times like these that definitely test our character as a real estate agent. So it seems as though real estate agents are a dime a dozen sometimes, but only the good ones last. Okay, So with all that said, we last for particular reasons and we last because we have the drive and the motivation and the ability to keep the stress and the drama and the trauma and everything else at bay. Yeah. Niall has, you know, some interesting points he wants to bring up today because I think once we understand our own head as a broker and 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 the the broker's minds that we deal with yep. because in this business we do more dealing with brokers, you know, than anything else, the better uh, or more success I think we can find. Yeah, I would say when I first started in the business, the biggest thing that I struggled with was riding the emotional roller coaster with my with my clients. And you know, if I did a deal, I was, you know, walking around the office with my chest puffed out. I thought I was the coolest guy on the block. If I lost a deal or had a series, a string of, of deals blow up in my face, you know, I was contemplating walking over to the Brooklyn Bridge and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and potentially jumping. So I think what, one of the biggest things that I learned was from my mentor in the business where he said, there's an emotional roller coaster. Don't ride it. No matter what happens, if you close a deal, guess what? That's your job. If you lose a deal, take it as a learning experience and understand that you have to have a positive outlook. Um, and it's a learn-before-you-earn type of a business. So I took every uh, situation where I fell down, and I, I would take it as a learning experience, and I would just keep it consistent. And I think that's one of the hardest things for new agents, for experienced agents to deal with. But I think once you can get past all of that and learn to just keep your emotions steady and wake up every day you know, w- with an even, even keel – that you'll be able to manage, um, you know, life in New York City being a real estate broker. I don't know if some of you guys experience the same things. I, <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at me like, <laughs> like, of course. Oh, wait till it's my turn. No. <laughs> Go right ahead. I, I'm with you. I think you know the the beauty of real estate. The whole the point of the show today is what's inside of us, and I think you know that there's a big span of human beings that are in the real estate industry and we deal with all kinds. Yeah. And I think I agree with you primarily. I find my challenge is not my clients, though sometimes that's, you know, quite a handful. Yeah. But it's other brokers. <clears throat> so whatever's inside of us is undeniably going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> so whoever you are as a human being, whether you're an accountant or a teacher or a real estate broker or whatever your intentions are, whatever you hold there to be your primary aim is going to be what it is that shows up. Yeah, and when you're a producing agent, it's funny because you want to show your buyer or your you know, high-end rental client that you're working with an apartment on Thursday at 3 o'clock. And as Andrew was saying, sometimes <sighs> you're like, oh, we can we could only see it at Friday between 10 and 11. And that is, is, is a seed of frustration for a lot of us. It's not only dealing with some of the incompetence in the business, but it's, but it's managing – all the emotions we get not only from our clients, from the buyers, from the sellers, but from the other uh, brokers as well. Big time. So, guys, I have a question because Niall brings up some good points here. So how then do we do, as he suggested, just to kind of take it down several notches, just kind of you know, breathe, 
you know, the, the famous word breathe. And I use that yeah. multiple times a day yeah. with lots of people, including myself. <laughs> How do we do that? Because it's not so we in, in concept or in theory, you say, OK, so just you know, let, let's manage the stress level of the day or of the, the situation. But how do we actually do that? So, so it, it took about six months for me to figure it out. But you got to be happy just being in the game. Uh, and that's, that's and I think that's the key. So, you know, if you're in the game and you get to bat four times, you know, in those nine innings, there's a chance you're going to hit a home run. You know, there's a chance you're going to strike out all four times, but you're in the game and you're in the game and you're in the game at that level and you're there every single day and you're showing up. So you can't, you know, I've, I've learned that you can't think about a deal until after the closing table and you've been handed your check and the deal is done because at any point, you know, it, it, can, it can blow up. Up until uh, closing. Up until closing. Even, I mean, you know, up until closing and sometimes even after closing, yeah. you know, things just don't stop. And I, and I think, you know, that's, I think, the hardest thing, I, you know, I deal with a lot of people in and out of my office and, you know, they come in and they start a deal and they get so excited. I'm like, whoa, 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 don't get excited yet. Slow down, I think it's also working with people that you want to work with that are, are good people and being selective in your clients. And I think a lot of the brokers that are um, frustrated or burnt out, or get really angry very quickly are those that work with just anybody that comes their way and they feel like they have no control. And that's a big thing for me. I feel like I choose who I work with. I love 99.9% of the time. I absolutely love my clients and I've dropped people because they were nasty, they were unrealistic, or they just didn't value a broker, which happens often. Rachel, I was going to ask you that. That's a good point. So, I mean, I think we've all done that. I certainly have. So when you get to the point where you realize that the stress or the drama is too much and you need to drop somebody, a client, how do you do that? I mean, because that sounds a little more difficult than not. Uh, there's a few different ways. I think we're all having a visual in our head right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Hudson River. <laughs> you know, <there's, laughs> for the clients, you know, I've had investors that, that were unethical, that lied. And, and, you know, I had sort of had to go down to their level and say, you know, there's no lying there, you know, it's a, it's a team here. So if you're not going to be honest with me, then it's not going to work. But then there are other clients that are unrealistic and you kind of just, you know, guide them accordingly and say, why don't you attend some open houses on your own? If you're finding that things aren't in your price range, let's put your search off till next year. And most of the time you just never hear from them because they aren't real, um, and for those clients that don't value a broker, it's a little harder because you have a lot of their friends saying, well, you don't need a buyer's broker. Well, actually, first of all, you don't pay for a buyer's broker. That's the most important thing. The seller pays. So why wouldn't you have someone represent you in a deal who's going to help you negotiate and manage the deal till closing, which takes 90 days, sometimes 120 days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, it's really important to work with the right people. I think you said it pretty well, uh, Rachel, because when, when I was actually, it's funny because I was in uh, real estate school, and, you know, you don't learn a lot in real estate school that's applicable to, to, what, uh, to what you're actually doing. But one of the, the main things that I took out of it is to constantly ask yourself, is what I'm doing right now direct, directly related to generating income? And, you know, that means working with the right people, using best use of your time on a daily basis, you know, you see it all the time where, where folks who start in the business immediately get caught up in doing, you know, quote unquote, easy activities that, that don't, you know, that aren't putting them in front of the right people or that mm-hmm. don't allow them to, to educate themselves on the market. So it, it, it's really important to ask yourself, you know, on a daily basis, what am I doing here? And, and to constantly assess every hour, I, I generally assess, all right, is what I'm doing right now. And I prioritize my time based on how I could, you know, focus on driving revenue. And, and, that, and that, that's really important with the types of clients and the clientele you work with, I think. 
Yeah. I, I agree yeah, with that. I, and, I feel like you guys all touched on such amazing points. I mean, I really think that ultimately we're all saying that it comes down to a mindset. And, um, and I feel that the mindset for me personally that works the best is especially when a deal is falling apart and things are going wrong. Um, I like to think about just being grateful. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is we're all playing in one of the best markets in the world and the, just the, whatever it is in our lives that has even given us the ability to be here and to do what we do every day. Um, it is you know sometimes we just take it for granted and and we get caught up in the minutia of the of the day but it's when you can really look at everything that you're doing and just saying okay you know how can I contribute how can I look at this from a different point of view how can I sort of keep my my head in the game and recognizing that you know it's not about the deltas that happen every day but sort of the overall trajectory of what it is that you're attempting to accomplish. Yeah, it's I all about having fun, Arul, right? You got to have fun at the end of the day. I don't, I don't Absolutely. think when I wake up in the morning that I'm going to a job. You know, this doesn't turn off for me. People ask me what my hobbies are. I say real estate. You know, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, really? I'm like, no, it really is. This is what I like doing. It's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, that's why we all got in. <laughs> you know, I also think creativity is real important when a deal's falling apart because if you become creative and you think outside of the box, uh, you don't necessarily have to watch a deal fall apart. And I think yeah. that's the biggest problem. Everybody thinks it's cut and dry. Uh, right. uh, offer, accepted offer, not accepted offer, higher offer. It, it's not like that. Take a step back. Think about how to structure this deal. Think about your seller. Think about your buyer. Think about what works for these people. And at the end of the day, you might put something back together that was a mess. How about, how about this one? not you know, taking it after, too personally, after, right? You know, I'm sorry? Oh, I was just saying it's also about just not taking it too personally. Like, it's recognizing that when something's happening, it's other people have so many other things going on that is making whatever is occurring occur. And so it's about taking, it's almost stepping outside of yourself and seeing it from the other person's point of view, the other player's point of view, and, and almost sort of becoming their companion instead of, instead of being stuck in what you were thinking or what, how this is affecting you. I think ultimately the broker... Our job is really just to like facilitate and to understand all the moving parts and sort of know how to finesse it all, right? So the more I feel like I step outside, then then getting caught up in my own emotions is, is sort of what helps helps it well, all happen. Well, you well know? here's what yeah. I was going to say because I think uh, Perul, you're right. I think it really comes down to managing expectations. And and by the way, you know, it, it's a, a, an easy term to use, manage their expectations, yeah. but. If you do this from the very beginning, from the very first meeting, and tell them what they can expect uh, and what they can expect from you and, and vice versa, be clear about it. And hopefully all the misunderstandings down the road won't be so tragic. Explain the process. I think a lot of times brokers jump into a deal because it's a deal and they need to make a deal and it's always about the deal. Think about the person. Think about you know what the expectations are on both sides. And I think you know because when I, when I do this, I really see that the stress level – Throughout the deal is a lot less. There's always going to be something that comes along. There's a you know bozo attorney or you know whatever, but you know there's always going to be something. But it's a little less if everybody understands going through the process from day one what to expect. Um, what's you know, the, what's the you best, know I, agree. Oh, I was going to say what's the best way to manage expectations? I know everyone's got different different ideas on that. I think I think you crystal read. clear communications. Yeah, from right off the bat, right up front. Yeah, and, and crystal think, clear data. 
data, yeah, I think, is I think really important. I agree. I think it's data. It's being informative. It's being transparent. It's showing people all of the possible perspectives, maybe not right off the bat on the first meeting, but to add to, to come in with your creativity. There's nothing more important, given you're maybe you're you know, relatively smart mm-hmm. and you're capable and you have the ability to hold a thousand things at once. You also, from my perspective, need to have the ability to grok multiple perspectives all the time and have the ability to stand in everybody's shoes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of joining what everybody has said, but I think transparency on top of that is one of the elemental things. So it's really informing people and presenting data. And asking and, questions. Asking questions. Yeah. You need to know things, and yep. they need to know things. So ask questions. A lot of brokers, the agents that work for me, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, did you ask your client this? No, I didn't ask that question. Well, uh, why not? <laughs> Don't you think you need to know the answer to that? Yeah. Whatever it may be. How much are you so, looking to put down? Such a big question. It's not, it's not so question. much. Why do you think your house is worth 3000 a square foot? Yeah. $1,500 a square foot building? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just in there. And many, times, oh, yep. many sure. times the expectations are changing. You know, Correct. one week they will think that their home is worth $3,000 a square foot. And then you say, you know what? Let's go out to lunch. I'd also like to show you something. And then you show them the comparables that are either 2,000 or 3,000 a square foot, and it's managing expectations with a visual. Many people are visual, and they have to see something. They can't just look at numbers or hear things. I agree, and I think the other thing that's very important, too, in managing expectations and keeping stress levels down on both sides of the fence is to follow up. Follow up quickly, because most of the time, our clients get angry with us because we don't keep them up to date. We don't mm-hmm. tell them what happens. I think one of the things that, that every good agent struggles with is, is response and timing. So that's not something you can teach. You have it or you don't. So initially, you want to respond. We're taught you re- respond right away. However, there are cases where you don't respond in an emotional situation. If a client's getting really upset about something out of your control, sometimes it's better to just not respond for a little bit and let it marinate, let it sit. If somebody loses a deal, I mean, whatever the case is, it's knowing when to respond quickly, when to react quickly, and when not to react quickly. And that's just as important when you're dealing with managing agents and attorneys and, and you know, buyer and seller. It's it's a skill that I don't necessarily think you can teach. You have it or you don't. And yeah, in that's my emotional opinion. intelligence or judgment. Yeah, right? Totally, Niall. Right totally. In the right moment. Okay, guys, we're going to hold it right there and go to break. On the other side, we'll continue the conversation. Don't go away. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back, and I'm here today with Andrew Azulay from Town Residential, Ivy Ray from Blue Realty Group, Deborah Hoffman, Town Residential, uh, Perul Brombat Core Group, Rachel Altschuler, uh, Douglas Elliman, and Nell Lundgren from Dalian Realty, and he's co-hosting with me today. We're talking about being inside the mind of a broker and uh, some of the things that cause us stress and cause us delight. But, you know, it's interesting because um, – they say that real estate agents came in number 10 as the most stressed occupation on a list of 100 jobs. The survey took into account such factors as work environment, competitiveness, and job risk. Complex transactions, demanding clients, a sagging housing market, a booming housing market, and steep competition. Who wouldn't blame you for feeling a little over the edge some days? It's not easy to work in real estate. Let's talk about one aspect here of competitiveness. And we all work in the greatest, I think Parul said this earlier in the program, we work in the greatest real estate market in the world, the most known, the most popular real estate um, market in the world. Now, with that said, what's the statistic? 25,000 brokers? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's 30,000 brokers. How do we deal with the competition in this town? How could we all be so successful? There isn't that much property to sell. Yeah. I mean, I think what Parul said earlier is just being grateful about the situation that you're in and what Andrew said, just being in the game. And when you're in the game, you know, it's all about separating yourself. There's so many other brokers out there. You know, my business partner, Graham Jones, he always says that the extra mile is never crowded. And if you go above (laughs) and beyond and literally separate yourself, whether it's handwritten notes or do what Andrew does and show show homes at 1 a.m. in the morning and, and you're literally there for your clients at the drop of a dime, that's what will separate you, you know, and it's, it's consi- and it's doing that consistently. It's not doing it for a month and then taking a vacation for two months and going to Miami and hanging out. It's consistently applying yourself. Andrew, I'm sure you haven't taken a day off in, in a while. Two years. I'm not going to lie. I have taken several days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've answered emails on those days. Off. You can ask, you can ask my Still wife. Still working. Still working. You know, I, I think another really important thing is you better make your competition your best friend. Thank because you. at yeah. that level, you need them more than you need anybody else. Uh, when you've got, you know, when there's only a handful of people in a neighborhood dealing in the 10 million plus game and you have a buyer or you need to get somebody in, uh, you, you better hope they're your best friend and you better make sure that you've done the same for them when they needed to get in somewhere. And I, and I learned that quickly in the business. Uh, and, and from that point on, it was always, you know, try to be as accommodating as you can. You know, I see a lot of people with off market deals and, you know, they, they, they keep them in their pocket. Or let's say, you know, let's not talk about that. You know, and they wait for a buyer to come, open them to your community, open them to your peers who've, mm. who've got the buyer and, and, and get a deal done and be happy taking half of the deal instead of trying to sit there, yeah. you know, with something in your hand until somebody else posts a listing, you know, three months later and you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and see it on street easy and want to throw up, you know, try to get the deal done and, and, and open it up to those, open it up to the community. And you know, I can agree with Andrew more. Um, I feel that, um, you know, one of my favorite books is called The Art of Strategy. And um, it's just a game theory in general. I feel like something should be taught. It's something that should be taught, taught to third graders because, uh, uh, in the end, cooperative theories work so much better than competitive ones. And I think that, you know, of course, there's, there's 
something to be said for a healthy competition as well. However, ultimately, whenever we're in an enclosed system such as the real estate market, I feel that your reputation and how you work with others and how you play in the sandbox uh, goes, goes the longest way. Peru and Andrew are both absolutely right. We have to remember we are in a people business, not just our clients, but also our colleagues. And one hand does wash the other. For instance, if Rachel were to call me up later today and say, you know what, I'm doing comps for a certain neighborhood and you have something in contract, could you tell me what the contract price is just for my comps? I'm going to help her out. A lot of brokers will not, and we remember when somebody will not. We do not have a multiple listing service in Manhattan, and it is all about relationships. And I think Rachel will remember that I said, of course, this is the uh, contract price. Please keep it to yourself, but use it for your comp. And I'm sure when I call her, she'll do the same for me, as will everyone on the panel. And when I need an offering plan, it's it's reciprocated, you know, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. It's, well, so I mean, that, that, that begs the question then. So it, is it, does it become more of it's my reputation is more important to me when I don't want to be helpful to a broker and I want to be or I, I should be helpful to a broker, you know, and when others are not? I mean, isn't this also based on reputation? Don't we want to have our good name out there? I mean, one of the things I don't like ever is when you hear a broker's name and the first thing that pops into your head is like, oh, Ugh. that person's horrible. Yeah, I'm not doing yeah. a deal there. <laughs> yeah. or I don't want to do a deal <laughs> yeah. with that. I mean, and there are a lot of those names out there. So I think reputation is 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 much more important, you know, uh, you know, based on everything you all have said. And uh, again, talking about stress, I think if you go out there every day liking what you do and loving what you do and being good at it and have a good reputation, I think that in itself helps lower the stress level and the blood pressure and the and the, everything else that goes along with this this craziness. I think you uh, develop too a, re- a good reputation by your absolutely. business style. Right, the way that you approach, you know, um, responding to emails. Are you hyper responsive to the, you know, other co brokers that you're looking to cooperate with? Um, do you show the apartment, um, you know, wearing jeans and a t shirt, or are you buttoned up, you know, with in representing the property property to the best that you can do? And your business style in- inevitably becomes your reputation within within the industry amongst your peers. I think the bottom line is also that nothing you do, kind of no word that you say, ever escapes you. So whoever you are, with whomever you're with, whether it's another broker, whether it's sellers, whether it's buyers, whether it's people you don't know, whether someone calls you up and asks you a random question, who are you being? Because it doesn't – nothing goes away. So it's whatever – to go back inside who you are as a human is what the deal is. Whether you care about being kind and helpful and being kind and helpful is being informative. There's likely nothing else more important to do. And having the capacity to hold people emotionally, to hold zillions of moving parts, when the shit hits the fan, man, you see clearly, you get in the middle of the room and you go, guys, like whatever it is. But if you're a jerk and you're really nice when it matters and you help people when it matters and it's all coming out so regarding reputation, mm-hmm. it's kind of who you are, what you say, how you operate all day long. And that's what goes around about you. Yeah, I think Andrew has a comment about that. You know, it, it's so funny, but like I, I can't remember how many times before I was in this business when you'd send an email asking about like a four million dollar apartment. You know, is this still available? No. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> no other response. Like, hey, I'm a four million dollar buyer. You want to ask me like anything? Like, what am I looking for? Can I help you? Unbelievable. You know, it's isn't the it? most. It's the most incredible thing. Like, there's Google. You could actually see who sent the email, know what I do, know where I am, and you're still not going to answer me. 
And that's just some of the most, like some of the most amazing correspondence back and forth between buyer, seller. You know, I, I have a friend that shoots me these emails all day long. He's like, look at what this guy said to me. You know, and it's like <laughs> he's like, you should be good at this job. And you know, that that's that's I, the biggest point. I it's often shocking. wonder with these brokers when they have a property that's difficult for them to sell and you call them or you email them, what is their response going to be at that point? It's like, oh, sure, come and see my listing. Absolutely. Here's the door. Let me ask you something, because on the heels of everything else we've talked about here, and I think all of us in this room and on the phone lines you know, are good brokers or we wouldn't be here in this room. But anyway, when your best isn't good enough, okay, when your best – and think about that one. When our best isn't good enough, what do we do with that? You I mean, still get creative. Right. Well, that, you never go d- down. You get never better. done. But yeah. you don't work harder. You don't. You know. You get smarter. You step out and in the center, and you still find. I'd love that. You know that you brought up creativity. I think it's the most critical piece, actually, of having a good life. Period. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a lover, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a broker, mm-hmm. you've got to remain creative, and it means sitting in the center of things. Because sometimes you do everything there is to do and it's falling apart well i am not going down yet but i'm not going to stand on the edges and go crazy yeah you no know, i, I you're in the game you don't win the game if, if you leave the game yeah but so you're, you're you in it to win it you're in that's it to right. win it so you're you don't you don't win. give up right but sometimes that's, that's, that's you that's echo andrew and rachel sorry go ahead, go ahead. sometimes you just <laughs> get stalled and you sort of are thinking oh, my God, where do I go now? And Andrew mentioned it earlier in the beginning of the show. He said he partnered with someone else who he knew was going to bring value. And sometimes you have to take another set of eyes, another brain, and see what they have to say within your team, within your company. And many times that will give you a jump start, and your brain will start working again. It's also partnering with someone that's totally different than your style and totally different than your – you know, not everybody's going to love me. You know, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit aggressive. I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, high energy partner with somebody that's the exact opposite, but it's as good, but they're as good at their job as you are and put you two together. And you, you feel that vibe right away, whether it's a husband or a wife or somebody walks in and they're not, they're not feeling you hand it off, you know, and let, yeah. and let somebody else and let somebody else do it. It's not about, you know, chasing them until, until you got them partner with the it's right it's person. It's but don't partner sorry, with your exact <laughs> Oh, it's I okay. I was just going to say, to, uh, to echo both Andrew and Rachel in a way, you know, earlier in the show, Andrew talked about long-term greed. Um, it's about having that longer-term perspective and recognizing that, you know, this deal, this moment right here, you know, isn't do or die. And it comes down to what Rachel said, which is choices. If this is the only deal on my plate, I'm going to react very differently. If I need this paycheck, this one right here, I'm going to react very differently. I'm going to react from my own selfish need than I am if I have, you know, a lot going on. My head's in the game. You know, there's 16 different things I'm working on. And all of a sudden, I have the ability and the capacity to look at this for what it is and do all these things. Step away, step out, even let go, work with somebody else because you're not focused on the dollar amount, you're focused on your long-term career, you're focused on your long-term relationships and how it all fits into the puzzle. You're not just focusing on this moment and, and how it's affecting you. I think it's also critical to have people, and if you don't have them, because we are, we, well, I think we have people listening, obviously, that aren't brokers, and maybe ones that are brand new. So it's, it's important to address what it is like if it's the only deal on the table. 
And I, you know, so I have compassion kind of for everybody that's struggling and even top brokers struggle because things fall apart. But what I wanted to say succinctly is it's really important to have people in your sphere that are even out of the industry, that are seasoned, that are intelligent, that have lived great lives. And I'm famous for calling people at midnight and going, can I have five minutes of your time? And they can be, no, 70 years old or 60. Like I've known these people for a long time, but they've lived great lives. And I hand them a scenario. It doesn't really matter that it's a real estate scenario. They inevitably come back with a view that I couldn't see. A mentor or or somebody to bounce ideas off of. Oh, totally. And I have a lot of them. And most of, a lot of them aren't in the industry. Yeah. They've just been, they've done well in life. You know, when when you talk about long-term greed, one of the reasons why I said it was, you could be looking at a deal today that looks great to you. For instance, when you relocate athletes, they could be traded at any single time, any day. Uh, And you could be looking at a deal, oh my God, there's a $20 million apartment, you know, in, in, on the Upper West Side, you know, you have to look at that retrade uh, and you have to be smart about that because although you'll be really happy cashing that check when you do that first deal, when you're trying to sell that place, when they've been traded and they're sitting in another you know, place or even, you know, a hedge fund guy that's been moved to Hong Kong that you sold him his apartment, you can't retrade him out of it, you know, because and you knew in your gut in the beginning, well, this isn't really a smart buy. I know it looks sexy, mm. but we're never going to sell this again. Uh, you have to look at that, and that's really important. Guys, let's hold it there. We have to take a break. Uh, one more segment to go. Good stuff. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. So for those not in the field, real estate agents may appear to have easy jobs. I mean, everybody thinks we open and close doors and we show glamorous apartments. We meet movie stars and rock stars and whatever. However, um, we ride around showing – oh, and we ride around showing fabulous houses and apartments, work flexible hours. That's the best one. And sometimes (laughs) land big commission checks. Wow. Okay, But what people don't remember is we don't get paid a salary. But the reality is that real estate agents have a much harder job than we can imagine. Number one, uncertainty about their income. I think someone, one of you, talked about that earlier. Well, I mean, 
that's a big one. It's never easy. I mean, that's where the stress comes in for new agents into into the business. They they see the TV shows, they come in, they're like, "Oh, great, I'm going to go, you know, close a big deal." And then they get hit really hard. And then they're like, "Wow, I'm not even making any money." And then they have to really figure it out. And yeah. that that's a stressful situation. And then what we were talking about earlier is picking and choosing your clients. And then they're working with anybody, unqualified mm. people, and they're just desperate. And you could sense that desperation. Absolutely. It, it, it's quite amazing to me. I was, Andrew and I were talking before the show started about just that, Niall, you know, the, the younger folk coming in right out of college. You know, the profile of agent today in this business is starting out right out of college. And, you know, they don't necessarily have the reach within, you know, their personal networks to call the right buyers, sellers, renters. They're young and, and young folk new here in the city don't necessarily have that kind of money. So, again, watching TV, as Niall said, and, 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 and the Million Dollar Listing Boys running around and making everything look so wonderful and fabulous and glamorous, well, it just ain't so. You know, it just isn't, you know, what it's cracked up to be. It's also harder to tap your network when you've been in another business for 15 or 20 years. Right. Because you come out and you tap your network and or, or you know your network from being out at night in New York. You know, you see a lot of people transition from nightlife into real estate. And how do you, you know, stop being, you know, party girl or party guy and, you know, real estate guy and I got to take you seriously. And I think that was the hardest transition for me when you're when you start tapping your network because you don't really want to tap them until you know you know, you know, you, you know, your inventory, you know, your, your marketplace and, you know, and you really can talk. You got to be able to have that conversation before you can even tap your network. And I think that's the hardest thing that a lot of people uh, deal with, even the younger crowds, because they, they may not have that network today. But the, the parents of, of their friends might have money and might be making, you know, transactions or might even be a developer. And, you know, you want to jump in there and you want to talk. Uh, and it, it just doesn't work for you instead of, again, pulling in people that are seasoned around you or mm-hmm. that you feel, are, you know, have the talk and have it down and bring them in and share. So instead you end up with nothing. But here's a little, I, think that, the- I think there's a very interesting conversation to be had about work ethic and the difference between millennials, Generation Y, X and baby boomers. It's really amazing. I recently interviewed somebody who was like, you know, expecting a base salary and it just. Everything he said led me to believe that this is not someone who's going to pound the pavement and work really hard. And I said to him, "What's a base salary?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Help exactly. I said, I said you know, I was in the office. Close for your the first deal first... and divide it by twelve. You know, right, right, exactly. <laughs> I said for the first five years in real estate, I was in the office nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, midnight, almost every day. Yep. And I don't even think that the millennials understand how much sweat is required. For this job to get to a point where you're working off referrals. It's physically and mentally exhausting. I mean, literally, it's you're running exhausting. around and you're physically yeah. exhausted, and it's mentally exhausting as well because you're dealing with just how intense and, and vast Manhattan is. And then you get right, to the outer right. boroughs and you got to know that. And you're sacrificing, and you're sacrificing your social network, your social, um, you know, just your friendships and your relationships. I, I was single for ten years because I was completely devoted to real estate. Hello. <laughs> Maybe you were married to real estate. <laughs> I was married to real estate, and I divorced him, and then I found my husband. Yeah. There you go. Well, while selling him an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. I know him. Um, so listen, here's another one. So with everything said and done, we, we get out there with no experience or all of us here with a lot of experience. Then all of a sudden we get hit with a decline in housing. The market crashes. And, and so we do have that experience still. But Show's over. But show's <laughs> over, at least for the moment. <laughs> what do you do with that? I mean, so you've got to have the wherewithal 
the savings, the, the, the mind, strong mind to be able to get through. Someone said earlier today about being creative, as creative as you can be. How do you get through an uncertain market? I know it's important. And I think we also ought to bring up it's only fair. Andrew's covered, you know, the luxury market. But a lot of people have a base of buyers that are in the 1.2s and the 2 million, and there's no, there's no inventory. So what do you do with all these people? What do you do with yourself when you aren't, you know, when you don't have a big basket full of $10 million buyers? Somebody talk. Well, well I, I think mean, I another, can, another idea is when, you're, that, so. is when you're hit with a downturn like we just were. When you're in an up market, you have to constantly keep your connections going. And if you're a big marketer, keep your marketing going. I'm a huge marketer. I don't have as large a social network as many of my colleagues here, but I do a lot of marketing. And during the downturn, I was surprised to find I had a much greater business than many of my colleagues because a lot of people who are owners are members of multinational corporations, and they were recalled back to Europe and had to sell. And I shockingly did incredibly well then because I kept up my marketing and they knew I was there. You know, it's New York City. Think about it a little differently. If uh, yeah. there's a $30 million mm-hmm. buyer and they were in a downturn and he needs to downsize to a $20 million apartment, mm-hmm. and then you got a $20 million guy that's got to downsize to a $10 million apartment, and that $50 million, we're in a pretty unique world here. Uh, it's about Absolutely. being aggressive and keep it, you know, you, you, okay, start a rental business. Everybody's got to sell their houses. Whatever you got to do, it's about survival. Yeah. It, it, adaptability mm-hmm. too. Exactly. Yeah. It's about survival and adaptability. You have to take every day and every day could be a different market or whatever and just make it work for you. You know, it's, uh, it's not an easy profession as we've all talked about, but that's how we have to do it. Um, well, it's you know, also understanding the fact that a downturn and, you know, I'll be honest, uh, this last downturn was the first time I had gone through anything like that, and I had only been in the business for a couple of years uh, when it hit, and I didn't really know how to react to it. However, it's going through it that makes me understand that a downturn in New York City is actually an opportunity, and there are plenty of people who are great at what they do, are very efficient, and understand business well in New York City that it's about targeting those people who recognize and acknowledge that a downturn actually means that this is the time to buy, this is the time to move forward, and this is not a time to stop. And it's about understanding and recognizing the right clients of yours who fall into that category and, and working with them. I, I agree. And networking is a very important part of the real estate business. And all good agents are plugged in or should be plugged into not only their personal networks, but local communities where you can help, you know, find some buyers and sellers and, and quickly turn that into, into business. Um, how do you, how do you guys, um, how do I, how do I want to ask this? How do you guys, uh, we all value our time. How do you get your clients and your customers to understand the value of your time? Because again, as we talked about earlier in the program, a lot of people don't really understand what we do. It's glamorous. It's, it's TV, you open closed doors, you have big Broker parties, how do you get people to really value your time? We've got about three minutes left to go, but I think that's an important question to end on. So it's a little hard to get somebody to value your time when their time's worth 15 times as much. Mm-hmm. So try telling a professional athlete that probably gets paid, you know, $300,000 a minute that, you know, <laughs> I really need to go. It, 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 you know, you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You have to manage your time and you have to, you know, it's about your client. And it's, you know, and it, that's, that's what it's about. So you figure it out. It's not up to them to figure it out, in my world at least. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly understand that. But I think, you know, just having them maybe appreciate a little bit what your time is. Uh, and again, because I think people have a whole different perspective as to what we do here. Appreciate their time, though. Appreciate your time. A lot of the coaches all federal you to block out on, the, on your calendar, even if it's going to the gym or taking a nap or, or going on vacation. Block it out on your calendar so that when a client calls, whether they're really important or a new client, you can say, I'm actually booked at that time because your time is really important. You're no good to your clients if you're not good to yourself. Yeah, and on so, the heels of that, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, what does everyone here do to survive this this real estate um, profession that we're all in? Do we, do we, we do drink. yoga? <laughs> drink, we drink, I know, meditate, drink, smoke, martinis, run. vodka, Don Julio 1942, whatever. <laughs> I think that's an excellent question. It's I am so curious question. about all of our colleagues. I say vodka. So okay. I, oh, vodka. Well, that's after <laughs> I get Great, out the it. two fit people in the room say yoga. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, and we're like vodka. That's what I was about to <laughs> say. I couldn't do what I do if I didn't do what I do. So the, I, the spicy I rigatoni at Carbone and vodka. There That's you it. go. So I get up at four o'clock in the morning and I do yoga and I meditate on the weekends whenever yeah. I can. I go climb mountains. And I write, and I stop during the day and take five minutes out. All right, and guys, so, we're going to a hard stop here. we got to go, but uh, great show. Sorry about that. Until next time, thank you for joining us. I look forward to being with you next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., 6 a.m. Pacific time on the Variety Channel here at Voice America. You can always catch the show later in the day or anytime on our website, voiceamerica.com. Remember, you can tweet me at Vince Rocco or find me on Facebook. Have a great week, everybody. Take care, Vince. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.